You understand the importance of enabling Republican candidates in Pennsylvania. At Get Elected, we focus exclusively on helping Republican candidates run winning campaigns. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the Elephant in the Room here on 1320 WJAS. Folks, we have a great show planned today. So excited to talk with you today. And before I do that, let me introduce the folks here that are on the show. Uh, obviously, I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, playing Batman. My Robin here, John Stater, the executive director at the uh, Republican Committee of Allegheny County. And our producer, Dazzling Daryl. Here today, he's going to play the role of Alfred and make sure that everything goes as planned. So uh, I want to make sure that everything here is great. And we have a couple great guests today. But before we get to the guests, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that have just occurred or happened this past week. You know, uh, the Board of Elections in Allegheny County met on Tuesday, and there was some interesting information that came out of that meeting. And it's good news for Republicans. You know, if you want to see good things happen on November 8th, okay? Now, what they said is that they had processed approximately 136,000 700 mail-in or absentee ballot applications to date. Now, to give you an idea, at this same point back in 2020, it had been over 330,000. So this number is way under that number, and it's only about 10% over last year's. You know, which uh, last year's general election, we only had a 33% turnout. So... You know, from a turnout perspective, any of you folks out there that were worried about Roe v. Wade or the Supreme Court's decision on Dobbs, you know, energizing the other side and bringing those folks out to the polls, that hasn't manifested itself yet or shown up you know, in the data. Now, that doesn't mean we can rest. So we certainly can because the uh, Allegheny County Democrat chair, Sam Hans Greco, <clears throat> they, they have an initiative underway where they're already going out to 20,000 of the Democrat low-propensity voters here in Allegheny County and urging them to vote by mail. And I think he reported in an article written by Chris Carter Potter at WESA that uh, about 15% of those folks have already returned, or excuse me, they couldn't have returned their ballot, but have returned their applications, you know, for mail-in ballots. So, <clears throat> folks, as I've said before, you know, as the chairman of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, uh, we cannot allow Democrats to have 50 days of early voting to get out their vote and relegate ourselves to one. So we need to talk to our friends, our family, our co-workers, any Republicans that we know, or Republican-leading independents, you know, who aren't, we aren't certain are going to go to the polls on November 8th, and urge them to take and complete a mail-in ballot application and vote by mail for this election every single vote counts so we need to get those folks out now and that's my psa public service announcement for the day now we can get to our desk our guest our first guest uh is a gentleman who is running in pennsylvania's 33rd legislative district he's a well-known fixture in that community was just on john delano and kdka's uh, evening news here this past week like to welcome to the show, Ted Thompson. Ted, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I've been looking forward to it. No, well, listen, it's great to have you. Hey, are you on speaker? Uh, I have uh, like a headset on for my phone. Can you hear me okay? 
I'm hearing you better now. But yeah, great. Okay, so, I pulled pull so, the Ted, speaker closer to my mouth. Okay, thank you. So, hey, Ted, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, tell us a little bit about your family's history and your history there in the 33rd District and why you decided to run. Okay, so, yeah, I'm a lifelong resident of the Allegheny Valley, um, born and raised, you know, uh, between Brackenridge, Harrison, uh, a lot of people know that as Natrona Heights, and uh, and I've been living the last 20 years in Fawn Township. Um, I went to Highlands High School, uh, and then uh, I went to Penn State for my ma- uh, for my undergrad, and then to Carnegie Mellon for my master's. Actually went to the Hine School of Public Policy and Management, so I'm really proud to have uh, went through that uh, through that school. Uh, you know, I, I've been involved. In, you know, my family's been involved in um, mostly uh, the recycling business, and so we have a couple scrapyards uh, in Brackridge and in uh, Natrona, and uh, we also have uh, Lonerville Speedway, uh, which is a dirt car racetrack. But uh, our, our main thing we do is uh, the recycling business, and uh, that's something that um, goes back to my grand, my great-grandfather who uh, kind of started doing it as something that would, uh, you know, in retirement. And when my father, see, my father, my, my, my grandfather had a salvage business, but uh, if, he wor- if he worked for his dad, his dad wouldn't pay him, but if he worked for his grandfather, and his grandfather would pay him, so that's kind of how my dad kind of you know moved towards the uh, the recycling, the scrap metal. But the thing is, see, my my uh, great grandfather he was uh, he worked for Duquesne Light and Allegheny Ludlam, and he was a pipe fitter. And uh, and as my dad was graduating high school, he held up his hand to uh, to my dad. And he says, uh, "Well, first he said he says you know you could go and because uh, a lot of people just went to the mill because this would have been in the late '60s." He said, you can go in, go into the mill like everyone else and end up like this. And he held his hand up, and he was missing fingers. And he said, or you can continue to do this, and uh, you can make a good living doing this. So he started doing it, and my uh, uncles got involved. And then as I, you know, basically I was born into it, so I've been working in this business since I was little. And we just, you know, being a part of the team and growing it, so we've been somewhat successful and, uh, you know, something proud because uh, it, it, I feel it's a, it's a good uh, – positive industry we're doing something good for uh, the community by uh, having an outlet for something you know it's a way for people to be able to make some extra money uh, that kind of thing and um, so yeah it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a proud profession to be a part of so but in any case being a, a business uh, a small business owner and the climate of the economy the way things have uh, started to uh, get kind of depressing is what one of the impetus of why I decided to run. Um, you see, in, in a, throughout the 33rd, there's a lot of uh, communities that are trying to do a, a lot of good things. And I figured, you know what, if I could get into a position to where uh, I can help local leaders be able to, you know, help the towns progress, because we have a lot of things going against us right now with the, uh, with the inflation, uh, you know, rising cost of gas and groceries. It's like, there's a whole gamut of things that I feel that uh, I can, uh, at the state level, be a part of the solution. So that, and that's why I decided to run. I felt that uh, I can bring a skill set being a small business owner and be able to uh, deliver to our communities uh, you know, the, the goals they're trying to achieve, help them achieve their goals. Well, that's great. Sounds like your family has a great and long story history there in, the, in, in that uh, district there. 
and it sounds like uh, you really want to get involved to help you know small businesses and we all know that small businesses are the economic engine that drives this country i mean 60 percent of the jobs that are out there in this country you know are working in small businesses now ted are there any policies in particular or anything in particular that you would like to fight for or advocate should the people of the 33rd district take and elect you here on november 8th well i mean a big thing i'm i'm a proponent of is the uh you know pennsylvania energy because i feel that um we can uh we we can we could rival western pa could rival uh you know the the middle east and the amount of natural resources that we possess so like our area should be uh very strong economically if the government didn't have such an antagonistic uh, approach towards energy. And so a big part of I want to be more of a friend to energy because in reality, we have the engineers, we have the, uh, the technology to really help to continue to develop it safely, to, to minimize any kind of environmental impact, but also to maximize production. And then like anything else, it, it, uh, if you – uh, 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 pro- if you have the money to do things, you can get a lot of things done. No matter you know whatever side you are on the coin of, of whatever programs you want, you need money to be able to make that happen. And we are sitting on such a reserve that I feel that um, it, it we would have an abundance of opportunities to take advantage of if we were had a more uh, friendly uh, relationship and help really help uh, progress our energy. So that's a big part of. I feel uh, I'm for because it, it helps attack the inflation. It helps, you know, obviously the cost of gas and, you know, everything can come to we We will be able to have a more, um, uh, we'll, our dollar will be able to go further, obviously, because of you know, inflation coming down. But the thing is, there's so many jobs and companies, small businesses that, that, that can, uh, uh, you know, work directly and indirectly with, with energy. You know, you have a union and non-union jobs so will be good paying jobs. So, I just think that could be the crux of the uh, or the nucleus of of actually a, a very uh, um, uh, you know a strong economy for Western Pennsylvania and, and especially the 33rd district. Well, that's awesome. I mean, we, we like I said, we all know you know we need jobs. We need more jobs in this region because we want our children and our grandchildren to be able to get gainful employment here. It pays family-sustaining wages, you know, so that they and their families right. can grow up here as well, just as we did. And that's a challenge, you know, with this uh, overreaching and uh, oppressive government. You know, yeah, well, the you know what? And, and the that we thing, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to make a point on that. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying the, the oppressive policies that we've seen coming out of both Washington and Harrisburg, you know, under Governor Wolf. And, uh, you know, I hopefully... You know, we're not going to get, uh, you know, a Shapiro in there. But we, we certainly right. need to have a Republican majority in the House in order to take and push back should that happen. And you certainly would be part of that if we elect you on November well, 8th. Yeah, and a point I'd like to make, kind of like you kind of hit on a little bit. So when I went, when I went, uh, went to uh, Carnegie Mellon for uh, my graduate degree, there was a lot of very, very uh, intelligent classmates. And... Pretty much every single one of them left the area because there wasn't the opportunity here, and and, and you know, and they, we talk about it sometimes about a brain drain because we got so many great universities in our area, 
But the opportunities just aren't here. They're they're going somewhere else. And like I said, to go back to the energy, I, I you know that's like a nucleus that, that that a springboard for so many other uh, um, uh, offer, you know for many offer opportunities in other in, in other um, in other areas that uh, we might be able to keep some of these these this great talent, uh, this great mind talent, and we're losing it. But if we can have the opportunities for them here, that's what we really need to foster. No, absolutely. Now, Ted, uh, tell us, how's the door knocking going in your district? And what are the people telling you at the doors are the key issues that they're paying attention to here at this point in time? Yeah, so the door knocking's been uh, really good. You know, I, uh, you know, I'm working full time, so I, I try to get out when I can, I'm, and I'm able to keep a steady diet of, uh, uh, you know, pretty much every day of getting out for at least uh, a couple hours. And um, you know, the door knocking has been a great response. People are appreciative that I'm coming by and and you know making my case to them. But but we're both sharing the same kind of view on things. I, you know, dealing with the uh, with the cost of gas, groceries, inflation, all their worries, um, that that's, you know, almost, uh, you know, not, you know, more than 90% of the people that I end up talking to, that's their biggest concern is uh, how far their dollar, you know, how far their dollar is going, uh, what can they afford to put on their table for their families. Um, you know, they're, they're actually really scared. And, and, and the thing is, is they're, a lot of them are really worried about come wintertime and, and their utilities bill, their utility bill bills come in here in the wintertime. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm worried about it as well because that's actually, um, I mean, who knows how high these are going to be if we continue the current policies. Well, that's one of the big concerns that I think everybody has with uh, Governor Wolf's unprecedented and unconstitutional, in my opinion, uh, entry into Reggie. The regional mm-hmm. greenhouse gas initiative, okay, which is only going to take an increase energy prices for all Pennsylvanians, you know, especially when they're being hammered, absolutely hammered by this high inflation. You know, I mean, uh, President Biden, I think, made a terrible mistake, you know, being interviewed by 60 Minutes last week where he talked about they brought up, you know, what the inflation rate does. And he said, oh, it just ticked up an inch. It is the highest <laughs> rate it has been in over 40 years. Okay. <laughs> I mean, families are getting hammered. Wages aren't keeping up. People can't pay for the groceries. I saw another woman that was interviewed, has eight children, and says her grocery bill on a monthly basis is more than her mortgage. You know? Right. And, and we know when we go to the gas pumps. I mean, folks have been, for anybody out there that is relaxing and thinking that, oh, well, hey, gas prices have come down. I'll tell you what, buckle up. Because... Uh, Biden has been withdrawing a million barrels of, get, of oil a day from our strategic petroleum reserve, putting that on the market. That's going to stop at Election Day. Right. And there was just an explosion in a fire the other day here at BP, the largest refinery that they have in the United States here in Ohio. Um, you know, I, gas prices are only going to go back up until we get policies in place that allow for the exploration and the refining of these products here in the United States. Now, if you were uh, elected here, would you take and vote to withdraw us from Reggie if that came before you, Ted? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Reggie is something, like, I agree with you. It's unconstitutional, and it's just, uh, um, it's it, you know, it's a uh, industry killer. So they give us, a, and a part of it is cited, there's actually in my community, there was a, you know, a power plant that shut down. And, um, and, and the thing is, not only are those jobs lost, but you think about the local restaurants that relied on these people who had, you know, good paying jobs that were going to lunch there or grabbing something to take home, you know, whatever, you know, all the little stores that were in that community. I'm sure that, you know, they're going to miss that, uh, that, that extra influx of revenue that, uh, you know, that these, that these people provided and, and it's gone now. And so what happens is, is that's why a lot of these towns end up drying up because of that. And, and that's the thing about the 33rd, which I'm excited if I, you know, for me to be able to help, to help it because it's mostly all river communities. There's a few like where I'm in farm where we're, we're away from it, but it, it's predominantly all a bunch of river communities and there's so much potential there. We just need to be able to have this uh, logical, common sense um, things done in, you know, between the state and our communities so that uh, we can actually thrive and have it be a destination point. I, I, I couldn't agree more. No, hey, <clears throat> Ted, I think you shared that the number one issue that the voters in your district seem to be telling you the doors matters to them is the co- high cost of gas and groceries. What, what else are they telling you? If you had a try to pick a number two issue what else are they telling you are they happy with what's happening in the schools is that not something that you know is it's been brought up to you give me an idea of what uh, the folks in the 33rd and give our listeners an idea of what folks in the 33rd care about so yeah i mean like i said 90 percent or so more is all dealing with the inflation issues that, that you know that we're all feeling um there's a little bit like school choice comes up once in a while, which, you know, obviously I agree with that. But also, um, uh, you know, the taxes they're worried about, about uh, you know, higher taxes. And it also, which I'm also for, is reduced wasteful government spending. And um, and I feel like that's something I might be able to help with, like, a, like being a small business owner because, one, the thing about a small business, when you're running a small business, you're achieving your goals on limited resources. Government doesn't work that way. And so I feel like with my, my background and my extensive experience running businesses that um, I, can, I can bring that part where we're able to achieve our goals working with you know, uh, mi- trying to minimize the resources we are using, then uh, in, part, in, in part that is dealing, you know, reducing wasteful government spending. So. I mean, that's probably the other thing uh, they, they worry about is which side of hand, which it seems it's, just, it's a constant thing through time, but hopefully it's, uh, we, you know, we can get some kind of uh, you know, rein it in somehow. So do you mean to tell me that the voters of the 33rd District are smarter than the Democrats in Washington and Harrisburg and that they know that money <laughs> doesn't grow up trees? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know and, and, that's, and it's, cra- it's crazy. I mean, I remember... Um, uh, well, my dad was actually a council member here in Brackenridge years ago, and he sold the um, he sold the uh, uh, the electric. We they produced their own electric, and they sold it, and uh, and he put it into a, um, a you know the interest that they got on the bonds that the bonds that he put it in almost basically paid what they were getting because at the time he had higher interest 
and uh, basically they, they got as much money they were getting from selling the when when you know the, the residents paid for the electric. He was getting they were getting that on interest, and as soon as he was out, when you know they went and broke that and took that out. Now he ran again, and and they were talking about raising the taxes again, and uh, and and one it was a Democrat he was talking to, and uh, and he said, and the Democrat said, and my dad was fighting against raising the tax, and they and they said you don't know these old people they have more money than you think and my dad says i don't think that they saved that money up just to give it to us so and that's and i, I think it's something that always resonated with me uh with you know certain people in politics where they, they kind of do think like the purpose of of the citizen is to give mostly everything they have to the government and it's and that's scary when you got people like that with power it, it absolutely is see i'm a big believer proponent of sending people for business and particularly small business in that, you know, to uh, Harrisburg or Washington is our representatives because, as you said, you know how to do more with less. One of the problems in government is that every dollar that goes out the door is attached to somebody's hand, okay? And once these folks get a dollar, whether it's for the first time or the 100th time, I mean, they hold on to it with a death grip and don't want to ever let it go. And when I send people to represent me, I'm looking for folks to, before they come back to me and ask for more money, you know, to sort of benchmark the existing programs and things they have in place and, and take and ensure that we're getting our money's worth. I mean, a, I, I want them looking at programs and measuring for positive outcomes. You know, if a program is really working, great. Let's divert resources to it. If it's not, let's take the money from that program and put it into the programs that work. That's not how yeah, exactly. it seems the left views this. It's just all about, hey, we don't have any more money. We'll just keep going back to the taxpayer. And as you well, expressed yeah. here, your voters know they're getting squeezed and they don't have more to give. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? And on your point, and, and you know, the, it's important to me, the energy, uh, but is a good example of the amount of money that they're throwing towards renewables, even though the technology isn't there. Now, I'm not against innovation. I'm not against helping something that, that may be able to move forward. But the problem is um, being antagonistic against uh, against natural resources to, pr to promote renewables, and it just keep, keeps failing, um, I think is the wrong way to go because a lot of these uh, renewable uh, manufacturers, even manufacturers, what, what have you, come to the region on tax abatement. But here's the thing. Once the tax abatement's gone, they're gone. And, and you could go across, as it's happened here in our region, you go look at every story across the United States. They're bouncing from one region to another region, whichever area is giving them a good deal. Uh, and then once, that, once the, 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 you know, the local government can't support it anymore, they move on, and then all those people are left uh, without their jobs, and you know it's it's a wake of destruction, and it's it's just a waste of money because it it, it costs more than uh, what it re could ever return. I couldn't agree, Ted. I couldn't agree more. I mean, this whole thing here. Think of what we could do for roads and bridges, for broadband, mm -hmm. for all the other things we need in this country. If we weren't throwing it into subsidies for a technology that isn't mature yet. Now, hey, before I let you go, because I know you have to run, if someone wants to help your campaign, tell us how they go about that. Where would they go to sign up to donate or to volunteer or just to see where else you stand on the other issues? 
Yeah, so it's very simple. Just go to uh, TED4PA, that's T-E-D-F-O-R-P-A, dot org or dot com. You can go either or. And uh, right there, it highlights a lot of the issues that are important to me. And then there's a donate uh, donate now button and also, uh, you know, help join the team. Uh, it's very simple. Just uh, click on it and it walks you right through on either to donate or to help out. And, um, yeah, very simple. Just go to the website. Well, Ted, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us here yeah, on the elephant in the room. Wish you the very best of luck here on November 8th, okay? Hey, Look forward th- to hearing more th- from you. Thank, thank you guys for having me on. I, I, it was an honor. You have. Hey, have a great day. Folks, we'll be right thank back you. after you the too. break here at the Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. With campaign season in full swing, hardworking committees around the country are fighting for every vote. Get Elected helps committees prioritize their activities, determine which voters need their attention, and what they need to hear to vote Republican. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Folks, welcome back to the Elephant in the Room here on 1320 WJAS. Folks, I'm telling you, you have a treat here today. Our next guest, candidate for the 27th district here in Pennsylvania, is a guy by the name of Ed Brodsky. Now, Ed, before I put him on, i got to tell you, Ed and I have quite a history going back 40-plus years where Ed used to coach me on a semi-professional football team that he owned, the Pittsburgh Colts. And I still haven't forgiven him for all that, all these years. And I'm kidding. Hey, Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. Just want to clarify one thing. The Pittsburgh Colts are not a semi-pro team. They're a minor league professional team because we put 32 guys on pro rosters. And we also had professionals come play for us in an effort to get back into the pro. I mean, after your tenure. We had Carl Hasselrick played for us after he got blackballed by the NFL, and we got him back into pro sports, and then he uh, you know, almost got him a contract with the WWE. And then Daryl Dinkins, who played at the University of Pittsburgh, just like you and I mm-hmm. did, we got him into the pros. So we don't identify as a semi-pro team because we represent professional standards in dress, code of conduct, expectations, what we do in the community as it relates to special needs kids, children's hospital, these other minor league teams that go by the term semi-pro are just that. They dress on the sidelines. They cut their pants off. They look like a lingerie league. So we kind of changed that handle as we morphed into something much more professional with different goals for, for different people. But again, having you on the team in the 80s, what a lot of people don't realize is is that you know you were a very good defensive lineman, and if not for an equipment blunder by myself, you might have been picked up by the USFL, but you had a different jersey on, which was associated with a different name, and uh, when we were down in Carolina playing a team that eventually became a team in the USFL, head coached by uh, Joe Cap, I believe you had two or three sacks that game and put on a pretty good show. We can't tell those folks now, Coach. Come on. Well, the truth is the truth, and that's that's. I you know. know. I want people to well, know thank that, you, Coach. I mean, hey, you know, that's why every time I hear that Bruce Springsteen song, "Glory Days," I oh, think yeah. back to uh, so much of the time I spent on the Pittsburgh Colts, and I stand corrected with a semi-pro thing. I must have been thinking about that movie, you know, the title of the movie years ago. Yeah, but, well, but hey, listen, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. And I can't tell you how excited I am to have finally reconnected with you all after all these years. And I'll tell you what, Coach, I mean, having talked with you, the stuff you've been doing with the rest of your life, the stuff you're doing in your community today, I mean, so excited to have you as a candidate in this district. 
So tell us a little bit about your background outside of the, the coaching, you know, and why you decided to run here to be our next representative in this district. Okay, and, and thank you, Sam, for that introduction. Just as a, a little of the reason as to why I'm running a few years ago when the pandemic started, and I'm watching the news, and I'm hearing that this person's an essential worker, this person's a non-essential worker, this person's a hero, that person isn't because they're not following or being compliant with what Dr. Fauci says we should be doing. And then the way they were picking winners and losers, I seen that they were not looking after the people. There was some sort of hidden agenda there. So I decided that I wanted to run for state rep. And when they did the redistricting and I seen how they, you know, formed the new district and who ended up being our representative, I then looked at his record. I seen that in the 13 years that he's been a state rep, no one has ever run against him. So then I looked at his voting record and I seen that his votes go strictly according to the party platform. And I decided that I did not want this gentleman representing me. And I decided that I would take that little bit of knowledge I had from the poli-sci courses I took at Pitt and see if I could apply it, you know, to this effort and, you know, try to take that spot away from him. And as far as my background and the work experience that I have, I think it correlates much better to today's times. I worked at the Holy Family Institute for years as a child care specialist, as well as the Bradley Center, dealing with girls that were sexually abused, physically abused, mentally abused, abandoned, starved, and just overall forgotten. And we had to try to work to put their lives back together again and give them some sort of life skills to where they could move on and maybe find some happiness and some success in society. And then, uh, you know, I also was a high school football coach. Cannon McMillan, a head coach, and at Baldwin, an assistant coach under Don Yanessa. At both institutions, I was a uh, strength and conditioning coach for all the varsity sports, boys and girls. So that kind of experience lent itself quite well to what they're trying to do now with transgender and you know, boys competing against girls in sports. You know, that gave me the type of background where I know that's not going to work out well. And people are going to suffer. Girls are going to suffer as it relates to scholarships, possible medals, and things of that nature. I owned my own business for a while. I had a bar restaurant in Ambridge. And my bar was predominantly a black bar. My clientele as well as my employees and the chief of police wanted an envelope from me. I wouldn't pay him an envelope. He said, I've shut down every end bar in this town and I'm going to shut you down. He did succeed in shutting me down. It took me four years to get an attorney, Joel Sansone, who would represent me. And I went after and, and filed a lawsuit. Many people came to me and said, you can't win, you know. Forget about it. Give it up. Took four years, four and a half years, but it was the right thing to do. We end up winning that. He had to admit that he used the N-word, and he's now under 22 federal indictments that really grew out of that lawsuit because people realized that, you know, what he was doing, and they got a number of policemen to flip. So, you know, my background in sports, my background as a child care specialist, my background as having been an owner— who had to, you know, again, make a payroll, pay the bills, and other things like that, have really prepared me, you know, for this type of position. I also worked at KFC for 20 years and ran stores for them in, in the most troubled areas. So based on that, I looked at my background versus uh, Dan Deasy, the individual I'm running against, and that's when I decided I didn't want him representing me because he's not going to look out for the people in the community 
and his votes have proven that out. That's not me saying it. That's not my opinion. Look at his record. Look at his voting record. Look what he says publicly. And there's a direct contradiction to everything that he puts out publicly versus what he votes for, which is straight party platform. Well, and I can certainly testify, having known you all these years, that you are a man of conviction. And I want to, you know, thank you and commend you for standing up to the corruption that was taking place in Ambridge and bringing it to the attention of the authorities. And as you said, is now under indictment and is charged with, like you said, I think 22 federal charges. Let's let justice play itself out. Oh, yeah. I'm a big supporter of law enforcement, but I believe in accountability. Okay. And I, we don't need any bad apples. No. And again, I want to emphasize that I always, when I was growing up, my father taught us to respect the uniform. You didn't necessarily have to like the individual, but you respect the uniform because of the job they do and the peril that's associated with that. The entire time that harassed me, I never once was disrespectful to him. And I think that angered him because he couldn't use that either. But I am a supporter of the police and a support of anybody that puts the uniform on, male or female, black or white. I will always respect the uniform and respect the work they do. No, and your father was a judge as well, wasn't he? Nope, that was my uncle, my uncle John. Oh, your uncle, okay. Yeah, yeah my dad was a quality control inspector. He used to, uh, okay. you know, x-ray welds on bridges, and he worked on the nuclear submarine program back in the 60s. So, no, but that was my Uncle John, a great orator. And I, I hate to follow somebody like him. I hope I can do a yeoman's job at the best. Well, I think you're doing just fine, Coach. Thank you know, you. I can tell you that. And I think your skill sets would lend themselves well to serving in the legislature because, you know, much of what a legislator does, if you try to seek to accomplish something, you have to build a consensus. You know, you come up with an idea or a bill to address a problem, and you have to get folks together to support it. And, you know, your ability as a coach to rally young men together, to come together for a common cause, you know, is something that, you know, you exemplified your entire life, okay? Thank you. And so I think that your skill sets would be well set there. Now, when I saw you uh, a couple weeks ago, I mean, I was like flabbergasted. I mean, I'm envious. I mean, you put Jack LaLanne to shame, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I tell you what, I'm going on a diet right now myself because, you know, I want to, to look half as good as you do at your age. Well, so thank you. tell us as you're getting around hitting the doors. Tell us what you're hearing for the people in your district on the issues that matter to them. I have to tell you, it's been very educational. It has changed a lot of my perceived perceptions prior to doing this. Speaking with the people out in the communities, and I've been in Sheridan, Crafton, Heidelberg, Scott Township, Green Tree, and I'm working my way over, you know, through Crafton and Elliott and, and Thornburg soon. It seems to be that the concerns are actually divided up by different demographics. When I'm speaking with older people who own their homes, the things they're most concerned about is the taxes that they're paying, especially the school taxes. They want to know why their kids are all grown up. Some even have grandkids that have gone through it, and they are still paying the same, well, higher school taxes than when they started. They wanted to know at what point do they get a reprieve from that, all right? When you get into the middle-aged groups, if they're family, they are concerned about taxes, but they're also concerned about opportunities for their kids. In the Crafton and Sheridan area, they want to know why they can't get any businesses to come in that would be probably mom and pop types of businesses that, you know, would maybe later on 
be a situation where their sons or daughters could have a starter job in that, keep them close to home, not have to catch a bus to go to Robinson or whatever. And they want to know why their representative has not made an effort to bring in businesses to the area. His idea is to spend three and a half million dollars on another industrial park next to a residential facility called Emerald Courts that right now in that area is a community center with a pool and everything else that's not being used. There's also one in Sheridan, Sheridan Park. They have a swimming pool, can't use it or anything else. Those are opportunities to provide jobs for young high school kids, boys or girls, to where they can work in the summer, learn the responsibility of a job. They want to know why nothing is being done, you know, to improve that or even to create social programs, you know, in the summer where their kids can go and continue to learn, you know, something about responsibility and something about respect and something about community. And then you have also the people that I've run into a lot of people that are LGBTQ plus 222 or however they do it. And they're not so much concerned about transforming kids into that. They're more concerned about tax breaks for them if they're a couple, you know, because the IRS, I guess, you know, puts the clamps down on them. The main thing that I've learned from all the people, all the parents in that community is they do not know who their state rep is. He has never knocked on their door. He has never done anything similar to what I'm doing. And they are most grateful about that. So that's what I've learned from being out there in the communities. Ed, there is no substitute for knocking on the doors of the people that you want to vote for you, you know, and ask them, that you tell them that you want to represent them. And I, I mean, I think that's phenomenal. I think that shows the disrespect, I would guess, or the uh, trying to think of the word to describe the fact that the Democrats just take their votes for granted, you know, and feel that they don't even have to work for them. They don't have to talk to them or anything else. But they don't election day because there's a D by their name that these people will vote for them. And I hope, you know, and pray that you're knocking on the doors of these individuals, many for the first time, and telling them who you are and that you want to represent them and that you care. I hope that carries through on November 8th and that they elect you to be the next representative in that district. Now, you talk about, and this is what's important for folks, I mean, who are looking to run or running today or whatever, but there's a saying that all politics is local. And what you've just described to us is a perfect example of that, that even in your district, the different communities in that district, you know, have different concerns or they may have, many of them may have the same concerns, but the priorities on which those concerns are ranked differ based upon the community. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, if you're elected on November 8th and you're sent to Harrisburg, what are the things that you intend to work on first? Well, after having spoken to to so many people out there, I've kind of formulated a philosophy or or a mission statement as to what I'm going to do when I get there. And I want everybody out there that's listening or within the sound of our voices to understand this. What I've learned is, and what I'm going to do when I get there, is family is the most important thing, period, with everybody I've spoken to. The reason I wanted to run for this local seat is because it keeps me close to those local issues, the things that the people have told me they talk about in their homes, at the kitchen table, in their schools. So my goal is to promote and support the issues and policies that strengthen their ability, your ability, my ability to take care of their families. So whatever that ends up being, you know, I'll know when I get there because, I mean, there's so many laws and and state bills and house bills flying around, and it's never what the title is. It's always what's underneath it. So it's hard to 
pinpoint exact things. But again, it's going to be about families because that's what my background is in. That's what I've been. I've been a caretaker. And I believe society is judged by how it treats its very young, its very old, and the disabled. And that's what I've learned from being out there in the communities. The specifics, yeah, it's taxes, it's jobs, you know, it's what's being taught in the schools. But it still comes down to, I believe, that if I strengthen each family's ability to be successful, then this is going to work out and I would have, would have done my job as their state rep. No, and I think you're, you're spot on here. You know, one of the beliefs that I have is that many of the problems that we have in this country and that families face, you know, started or were created with the dissolution of the nuclear family. Yep. You know, yes. and the government's rewarding or pushing policies that seem to reward that. And it's like counterintuitive. Why, you know, would you do that when we know that whether it's poverty, whether it's, you know, helping kids stay in school, you know, whatever it is, you know, having a good family environment with good role models. You know, help raise good children and provide good contributing members to our society. And it's just so many things are out there that are challenging to that aspect. I mean, not just government policy, but culture and everything else. So the battle to be waged is to be waged on a lot of fronts. So I think anything that you can do that would be pro-family and to promote pro-family policies to help people at the very the most basic level i think would be welcomed oh i think so too and the other thing too having spent eight years in catholic school which i loved i mean i truly loved it yes it was true that they spanked us and sometimes it was for (laughs) things we hadn't even done yet but they said when you get older you're going to do it and i want you to think twice all right i'm really you know i'm still a catholic still a christian i'm a rough christian but i'm not real happy with how the church has handled things and i think that's why we don't have the presence of religion as far as the catholics go because they keep backing down and appeasing i haven't run into one muslim or islamist that backs down from their faith in that you know and what's taught in in their religion but the catholic church keeps stepping back stepping back and stepping back and again our constitution is based on judeo-christian beliefs and like it or not that's what we have to do we don't necessarily have to be a bible thumper and try to convert everybody but our decision should be based in morality without a moral understanding of right and wrong you will believe in anything and that's what's happening now we believe in mother earth you know we believe in this thing we believe a man could have a baby when there's no man on record of ever having a baby be anywhere in this world. So yeah, we need to have faith, belief without evidence, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a threat to any one individual or any group. No, absolutely. You know, I laugh because, and it's, you know what, let me take a step back. This isn't about Republicans and Democrats, okay? Or even in many cases, you know, the left or the right, but it's about right or wrong. Yes. You know, and you you see these folks who claim to be the party of science, but yet are pushing so many of these nutso policies or ideas like you said the fact that birthing people and men could be pregnant or you know they need to get rid of all fossil fuels and shut down all petrochemical plants in this country while the clothes they wear the car they drove in on you know the plane that they flew on the ship the transported goods the desk that they're sitting at the chair that they're sitting in all these are made the toothpaste the they the use. Right, yes. Everything. I mean, they want to send us back to 1883. I mean, I like that TV series, but I really don't want to be living in a unair conditioned house and in a house with no running water where I got to go out to the well, you know, to, well, to, eight, to draw my bath 18, water. 1883, you're being generous. I think they want to take us back to the Middle Ages. Okay? Like the Stone Age, too. Yeah, that, that could exactly. be as well. 
Yeah, they're no, bad. they're their ideas, you know, yeah, they're altruistic, but they're not reality. And again, that's what leadership is about, is being an adult, being the adult in the room. And when it's wrong, you make the right decision. It's not about being right. It's about doing the right thing. Exactly. You know, Milton Friedman once said, this is why it's important to provide people the support and candidates, the support that they require. As he said, you know, it's, it's not always about picking the right person, but it's about making it politically profitable for even the wrong person to do the right thing. Yeah. Okay. And that's what we have to do. But fortunately, when we have somebody that is the right person, like you, for the seat in this district, we need to support you. Now, if someone wants to help your campaign, Ed, if they want to donate money or volunteer for the campaign, where do they go to to learn more about you or to sign up to help or to donate money? Okay, go to Broski for Change, and Broski spelled B-R-O-S-K-Y for Change is the uh, Facebook page, and www.broskyforchange.com is the website. And just in closing, if I could, Sam, the thing that you brought up there with Tom, I heard, you know, about the Dobbs decision. And I've had conversations with people out there in the community. And what I've told them is this, if black lives matter as they do, if transgenders' lives matter as they do, then why don't babies' lives matter? Because a human baby is the most defenseless newborn of anything that's born on this earth. A baby calf comes out, it can walk a little shaky. Baby horses, you know, the same thing in the animal community. Why don't babies' lives matter? I mean, that's all I say to them. And that's not, you know, saying it's one way or the other. I just wanted to hear from them, you know, why are we punishing babies for someone else's either indiscretions or irresponsibilities or just downright callousness? Well, that brings up a point here, Ed. I was just reading an article earlier today. I think this might cover the Washington Post, but they said that the Democrats who are hoping for that to become an overarching issue here are going to be disappointed based upon the polling and the analysis that they're doing. You know, And they judge that based upon the turnout, the difference between the Republicans and Democrats in the primary elections. And even though Democrats got a small bump post-Dobbs decision, you know, Republicans still lead in primary turnout, you know, in the primaries that have been conducted after that. So when they look back in history, whether it be 2008, 2010, you know, 12, 14, 16, you know, the, the party that typically has led in primary turnout, you know, did very well at the polls in the midterms. And that's true this year of the Republicans, both pre-Dobbs and post-Dobbs. And I think it's important for folks out there on the fence, single-issue voters, and it may otherwise identify, you know, as Republicans, but are concerned that all Dobbs did was push this issue back to the states where the legislators and the people, you know, can make the decision that's best for them and that they're most comfortable with. Oh, yeah. You know, I, like you, Ed, am a pro-life, and I would hope to never see, you know, uh, another baby abort, okay? And that's what we ultimately would want to work towards, but that isn't going to change overnight. No, it, it so, won't. It won't. But again, you know, when people pose that question to me, you know, that's my response. And because, again, if they can ask me a question, you know, I'm going to ask them a question as well, because whatever's going to happen here, I think, is going to be a negotiated settlement. And it'll, it'll come down to, you know, probably above, you know, the grade that even I'm at, you know, at this point. I mean, I do hope to win. And if I do, I am pro-life and that's the direction I'm going to go. But there's no guarantee of that. And if enough of us don't do the work and get there, then we're going to have to negotiate a settlement of some sort. Well, right. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, as far as like I was saying, today in Pennsylvania, the law is that it's available up until the 24th week. 
and there are exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. Okay, okay? Well, that, that's good to know. People need to know that and understand that. And exactly. Getting all exactly. ginned up over false pretenses. Exactly. And and I think when we start to talk about extreme positions, you know, it's the Democrats should be challenged on their position because they believe in abortion up until uh, the time of birth. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's out of the mainstream. Yeah. You know, while public polling shows that many folks want to have access to it, that's much more popular in like the first trimester. You know, late term abortion is extremely unpopular and rejected by 70, 75 percent. As it should be. Of the people polled. Yes, exactly. You know, so, you know, again, there's been no change and any change that would occur in the future would be something that would be negotiated or would be representative of what the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, you know, believe. So and I can't tell you what a joy it is, again, to reconnect with you here and particularly to have you represent you know, the Republican Party here as a candidate for state representative in your district. Uh, it's been great to know you. And having done so, I know that if elected, that you'll do a phenomenal job. Thank is you. there anything you'd like to say to the listeners who may be in your district or who may know people in your district prior to us having to go? Just that, again, we need every Republican to get out there and vote because it's not just going to happen because people are predicting it. I have to do the work on my end and the other voters have to do the work on their end. And let's you know, elect people that are going to do the right thing versus be right and we'll have the country back that we want. Uh, hey, well said, Ed. And you know, I'm looking forward to November 8th. Again, right now we have about 43 days to go, and we need to make basically a little over six weeks. And we need to make that count. So as I told, I spoke at a uh, committee meeting in Mount Lebanon last night. You know, we have another candidate, Pat Tilka, who's running in the 42nd district, and I was telling them what my expectations were. And they are that everybody contributes in some way, shape, or form. If you can donate to help a candidate, if you can provide them with the resources to help them get their message out, either through the purchase of yard signs, literature, mailers, or advertising, please do so. And if you can't do it that way, there's other ways to help. You can knock on doors and help with a candidate or, you know, do lit drops where you're taking their mail pieces or their bomb cards to these doors. You can take and make phone calls. You can take and put out yard signs. There's a whole range of things you can do, but we all have to do something. You know, we can all see that this country and this commonwealth is headed in the wrong direction. And this is borne out by the reception, not just you, but Ted Thompson got at his doors and all the candidates we have who are running across the commonwealth are telling us. But change won't happen by itself. If we want change to occur, we need to get out and make it happen. And you do it through one of those ways. So anybody that's looking to help, Ed, he's given you his web address. Ed, you want to do it one more time? Yeah, it's broskyforchange.com or Broski for Change is the uh, Facebook page. Or if you're not in Ed's area and you want to help, feel free to go out to our website at allegheny.gop. That's allegheny, A-L-L-E-G-H-E-N-Y dot G-O-P. And you can sign up, get our newsletter there by just put your email address under the join now. And you could uh, leave comment and uh, give us your information if you want to volunteer and we'll get back to you. Folks, thank you so much. Time seems to fly when we're talking to these interesting uh, candidates. So until next week, this is Sam DeMarco signing off from the elephant in the room here on 1320 WJAS. Enjoy your weekend.